It's only because Discord is a smelly pirate hooker. Well, Discord, remember, it, we're, we're entering a new wave here. This is a slower wave than other like programs of this type seem to occupy. Well, remember when everyone had Spotify, uh, not Spotify, Spotify. I'm about, I was about to say spec. What's it even called? Skype. Uh, uh, Skype. So Skype. <laughs> we had Skype. When Skype came out, everyone was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! You have to get on Skype." And no, then you you no, cycle around to never Skype. True. Sucks is the worst. Well, you're Pepper, a person who's Pepper, had that was never true. You've had competent computer stuff for a while because you know how to do them. For people who are like, I the only thing I know how to do on a computer is aim. The upgrade from AIM to Skype to, like, the layman or me was was like, wow, we can do voice calls and even, like, occasionally turn on a camera that works sometimes. Hmm. <laughs> then you step to Discord and everyone's like, Skype is the worst. Discord is amazing. And now we're like, Discord is the worst. It's going publicly. What's going to happen next? So I'm curious. Will right, Discord look, evolve or I, do I get, get a new I get to one? be the get-off-my-lawn person and every new thing that's come through. And Zanny can confirm. <laughs> what's bad. the first thing Dragor has to say <laughs> about some new platform? This is bullshit. <laughs> bad. <laughs> I was just ranting about fucking Telegram today. I changed my username yeah. to list they, them, pronouns, on my Telegram name. So it shows up with every fucking message. And the number of times it's gotten wrong, not because people are ignoring it, but if you fucking add someone to your contacts in Telegram, the name never updates for you once you do that. Oh, mm -hmm. oh you're right. You know, yeah, I still have some emojis that like auto generated when I put somebody in my contact way like years ago and they're still there even if they have completely different like go by different names at this point and like don't get me wrong i have commissioned stickers because i'm a fucking furry more than i'm a techno evangelist that was an awkward way to pronounce that whoops <laughs> you're the least furry furry oh, of the three of us i am the only one with any actual fur fair Yes, <laughs> however, I have had several characters with fur in, in Boner Words land, and... Oh. Oh, yes. Does, does Boner that just, are you Words just, land. Is that a very complicated way to say pubic hair? No. I oh. I have role-played <laughs> role and type-fucked as many oh. furry species. Boner Words land, the yeah. land made of words that induce boner. Yes! God, it makes sense now. <laughs> All comes together. <laughs>
I'm gonna say an F-bomb. Huzzah! More electorate points. Do you want the party that completely worships strength and power, or kinda? Do you want the group that only likes rich white people, or the group that only likes rich people, but you are allowed to be black if you want? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. You are allowed to be black if you want? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're killing it. Uh, hey, I have a written I have a written intro here and this this is good. Okay. So this is good. this is going to sound like it's super serious, but I promise I I pull it out at the end. Uh disclaimer, this is a comedy Hey-o. comedy politics show, not a Crazy. mental health expert show. But please don't take anything I say too seriously here. But uh when I was a teenager, I was diagnosed with Asperger's, which is no longer a thing, but it's just been added into the greater uh what is it? Autistic autism spectrum. Asperger's is on the high functioning end and the they lexicon. stuck me on there. Yeah, I haven't been back to anyone to talk about it since I was about 16, so that's why I don't talk about the diagnosis very much. It hasn't like been a foundational part of my life since then. I but, actually um it's funny. I actually well, I was diagnosed AD, AD uh uh unattentive ADD, uh non-hyperactive, which I don't even know think they call ooh. that now, which Yeah, it's not even a thing. <laughs> I uh I identify as ADHD inattentive, which is very much more oh. fitting into what I deal with. So if I can, basically, I just have to hype up on caffeine to pay the fuck attention for extended amounts of time. It's kind of my deal. In the last year, I've been hearing a lot more, especially through Twitter and just talking to people, a lot more, a lot more about what ADHD actually is and like how it manifests itself in oh, people. Yeah. And the more I learn about it, the, the more I, I, I kind of read them and go, "Oh fuck, that sounds like oh." Like the other day, I was standing in my cl- in my closet, eating pizza rolls, uh, watching Adventure Time on my phone, smoking weed, and uh, if that wasn't already obvious, and practicing three ball juggling. And at this point, my brain told me that I needed to do something. (laughs) How's everyone else's mental health going after one year-ish of plague? How are you both feeling? I mean, I I wear it on my sleeve. Uh, Horrible. I am the I am the opposite yeah. of most people. So the the point of privilege is I bought this condo when I was only, when I was twenty four, and the downside is it has been just me in it. And this is, is mm. I, I have been calling it my prison for a while now because uh, like I'll visit Zan and Alkali, I'll visit my parents, and there's other like stressors around that because I am the absence of being regularly socialized means I'm out of practice. So <laughs> so that sucks, but it's better I just keep, than being in the I fucking mean, prison. I keep going on weird rants. I talk to strangers and I just keep going and sometimes I'll notice their eyes just like um and I'm like, "Oh no, I'm talking too much." Like, you're right. <laughs> out of practice, I definitely sympathize with but yeah, like oh. I'll be out and about and I'll do the things that'll have its own crazy high stress. And then I'll sigh and be like, all right, I'm going fucking home. And as soon as I get in and lock the door, the wave of depression, not that I am that I left a fun thing or anything, it's I am back in prison. <laughs> it's solitary. It's just me. I back can't do anything yeah. here. I can't muster the energy because why? I'm still gonna be stuck here. Yeah, we're definitely in the the killing time. If we haven't already been, people hit it at different different stages. But I am f- solidly on my I think second month of like just killing time pandemic, where uh, like there's no point in trying to like push anything forward at the moment. You're, we're killing time. We're just waiting. When are we back to where we can kind of do the things we were doing before? I know. I'm trying not to be despairing about it, but notice I'm not like, quick, we have to get out this new relief bill. I was like, they're not fucking going to do it. Mm. They're not going to do any of it. We're not getting paid to stay home. That's never, ever going to happen during this pandemic. We're going to have looked at all of the precautions we should have taken, all the lessons we should have learned from the, uh, a pandemic that hit almost exactly one century ago in Spanish flu, and we're, we didn't do any of them, and we're not going to do any of them. And if you live in mm, half of the states, they're working at the opposite. Like, Arizona passed a law where you're not allowed to do any what just just quote unquote banning vaccine passports it's a preemptive law with no it's based on like a hypothetical so it's not exactly the most most toothful law i guess but sure. they're making it i think what was it other state is like oh the the blah 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 state supreme court says it is illegal for you to do a mask mandate at all and it's like wow we are trying to keep fucking corona going forever <laughs> And Forever that ever. is that is led by the party that is yep. how dare you tell me what to do? 
how dare you tell me how to run my business and kill people, potentially. <laughs> and all the businesses are like, look, no one's fucking coming in. But oh, oh, Arizona, now people are start like, now that the vaccine's out, we have, oh, all Scottsdale bars are f- packed. I just saw WrestleMania. I'm just like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God, WrestleMania. I have people I follow on Twitter who I'm like, oh, you're like a blue check person. And you're and then they're posting, I'm here at WrestleMania. I'm like, oh, well, you're a piece of shit, I guess. Like, why would you go to that? Like, and and like they got drenched and rained on and they had to go in and outside because there was like oh, a, no. a typhoon or something. Oh, my God. Zan, if I don't want to say good thing, but oh, it's fucking. <laughs> Shit. I, all right. I'm not going to make it about wrestling more. Fucking WrestleMania. They had to sign a waiver for fuck's yeah. sake. Oh, oh Arizona, we just passed a law in our state try, like moving towards the thing that they keep trying to do and not doing where you, it just makes you can't sue your job if they force you to get COVID or get fired. terrible. Yeah. If you work at a grocery store and they're like, you must come to work. It's like, I think I'm going to get COVID. And they're like, no, you got to come to work. We don't give a shit. And then you die a COVID or get COVID and it fucks up your life permanently. As far as we know. You can't sue them, maybe, at least in Arizona. It's another one of those, like, preemptive laws where we don't know if it's going to mean anything. It's just kind of designed well, to, like, hey, just in case you wanted to do something, we no, are, we we're already, already saying no. We already know the precedent for that on how evil everything is. John True. Stewart, at Post Daily Show, is most notable for spending a freaking decade of his life fighting tooth and nail for getting... First responders of 9-11, the care they need. And, like, many of them died along the way. Oh, yeah. His group Mm -hmm. would, like, he would be like, well, we had this guy. He's fucking dead now. So we put a thing in his place. Remember that guy? Here's a picture of him. In the time we've been fighting this, you allowed him to die. It's funny. As as the king of the libs, I I, I like John Stewart. (laughs) He should be king of the libs. He's kind of king of the libs. (laughs) But but I have to think he went for a layup like that, like something everyone can agree oh, exactly. on. Exactly. And That's showing easy. that you have to fight tooth and nail for that shit. To get like 20 people healthcare. Yeah. To get like one group of people who worked at one disaster once to try to get them not even like free forever healthcare, just like, hey, don't be an asshole. Maybe pay for their medical bills. Yeah. And it's taken longer than the lifetimes of the people he's fighting for to get it accomplished. It's why I continue to say that the the rulers, and I don't mean the elected officials, the the people mm-hmm. that spend on the super PACs and do, elected officials. Yes. They have altogether decided that not an ounce of socialism is allowed yeah like that's the only takeaway you look at the evidence you look at everything how how old were you if you feel like saying pepper when 9-11 happened oh i was oh jesus christ you're like nine was 10 10 perfectly 10 (laughs) so (laughs) you remember how in like before you know becoming woke and what have you how (laughs) the country kind of really did come together and go holy shit this is bad. We got fucking attacked. It hadn't happened in our lifetimes or like in so long. It was such a shock. Did like did you feel that? Did people around you feel that? Oh, totally. That was like the only that was the period of my life between about 10 and maybe let's just say 10 to 20. That was the decade where I was the most Jangoistic. They played the and I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> and I fucking stood up. I would stand up at the county fair. My dad was next to me and I stood up and I, I like put my head over my heart because like everyone was doing that. And then he's sitting down with his arms crossed, like just like making a stink face. And I'm like, dad, aren't we gonna? And he's like, that's not the fucking national anthem. I'm not standing up for this horse shit. And I'm like, dad, you're the <laughs> like retroactively, my dad is the best. <laughs> Zan, what what about you? Since you're, uh, I'm older than Pepper, and you're Old. older than me. Yeah, were you what, ever what like? Were you how much, if at all, were you around 9/11 in you the immediate after? Stand yeah, up I'm not. The- <laughs> God damn it, Pepper. <laughs> so were you on okay. board with the like? Holy shit, we got a, a we got attacked. We have to set aside some differences and be like, well, fuck that. We got I attacked. Had definitely. I mean. Okay, so I was I was definitely old enough to say hold on, <laughs> and seeing all these flags go up, I like got really nervous. I'm just like, wait, oh, all no. these people have like, I don't know. We just went through 1999, and then we talked about it before, but now like everyone's just like, oh shit, we gotta do this thing, and I'm just like, 
what is happening right now? <laughs> so I slowly watched the ramp up to Iraq, and that whole thing is what radicalized me, honestly. Um, yeah, totally. And so just, but I wasn't on board. Like, yeah, I went along with it, but it more so really disturbed me how fast everyone was on, like, oh, shit, this is our mission now. I'm just like, oh. Okay. Think about that in the reverse. If you can message your way into that, you could message your way into something positive, too. In the true, same way true. everybody got swept up, you could fucking... Eh. Well, that was my <laughs> expectation, right? So, yeah. okay, yes, a fucking war happened, but I also kind of figured, well, we're all not going to get socialism, but we're going to genuinely take care of the first responders and make them uh. actual heroes. Like, I, I thought that's how it works right you read history Just a bunch of people got scared of muslims <laughs> that's it <laughs> oh, God. Well, again who people who they weren't like I, I remember being taught like oh islam is the oh fuck for the first okay so you know how you'll hear people who will say it's not that i hate jewish people it's that i hate international judaism jewishism right mm. where they'll be like the international jew which is a phrase only said by nazis i've heard on the radio the international muslim so well, it's so just that's the, the same shit. Well, so that's <laughs> that's the Muslim thing. Globalist is basically code for Global, the international yeah. Jew. Yeah. Globalist, the international Jew. Now we're talking about the international Muslim. Like, well, Dragon, Israel. You, you actually you hit on something interesting. Is like one thing I could not get out of my brain when all this was happening was a line from The Rock of All Things. <laughs> is, is, uh, from Oscar Wilde is uh, uh, patriotism <laughs> is a virtue of the vicious. And yes. Sean Connery said that, and I know that because Sean Connery said it in The Rock, so yes. I'm going to give the credit to that stupid-ass movie. <laughs> yes, to be, to be clear, we were talking about The Rock, the movie, not The Rock, yes. the wrestler. <laughs> not Wayne the Drock Johnson. Right. Johnson. <laughs> like, Sean Connery says patriotism is a virtual the vicious, as said by Oscar Wilde, and Ed Harris butts him in the back of the head with a rifle and said, Thanks you for, thank you for proving my point. Okay, I want to talk about our, our, main, our main topic today, yes. I guess. I have been reading a book that you could even call this a segment socialist book club if you really want, but it's not even that socialist. This book actually particularly uh, an important part of it is that it does not ascribe any specific ideology. So while you're listening to this, please keep in mind that if you're like, oh, yeah, we should do all these things to to make sure that leftism becomes like the, the predominant, that's not necessarily a part of it. This could be for any ideology, but you'll see what I'm talking about as mm -hmm. I go in here. So. I'm talking about a book called The Devil You Know, A Black Power Manifesto, written by Charles M. Blow. Charles Blow, is a, he's a columnist for the New York Times. He's he has a, one book before this called Fire Showed Up in My Bones. And uh, this, they it, it's funny, I, I, I heard about this in a couple of interviews with Charles themselves. And they said, I didn't really necessarily want to write like a race book, a book about race issues. But as makes sense, as you read the thing, he mm. looks at history and how other ideas kind of started in the forms of either popular essays or radio people talk about or books. And so he wants to put this out there and say, hey, cool, this takes off. Great. I think it's a good idea. I wrote a book about it. So let's talk about it. So uh, this is a, a book written by a black guy for black Americans, not necessarily uh, African-Americans specifically, but any black person living in the continental U.S. This is for them. So what you're, what you're hearing is not really going to be me evaluating the quality of that idea or even like how well it, it could be received within black communities. This is just me taking the idea at face value and kind of talking about it. I also am trying to kind of spread it, I guess, because personally, it doesn't sound like a bad strategy. Or at the very least, good things can be taken from this, even if you don't agree with it in its entirety. <laughs> this book starts out with a quick review of the unrest in 2020, like the racially motivated police killings. This is written fully within the context of today. It goes through and it's like George Floyd happened and there were all these huge riots and like the results of those or really we could say the lack of results for those end up becoming a point within this as to why the idea is so pressing or the strategy might be like hey we've tried everything else why not try this uh it does a it does some effort to if you're if you're a, a non-black person who is like what i want to get a quick crash course of all the crazy shit we've done to specifically and through policy keep the black race down in America, you know, from the end of slavery to now, if you want a quick whirlwind of that, read this book. It'll give you a pretty, a, a good little history of what's been going on. 
Charles talks about how in our most recent presidential election, a record number of people came out to support Trump, who, to reiterate, is the guy who we've all been told is the worst guy ever. He got more votes than any other Republican ever in the history of the country of America. We talk about how Biden got more votes. Yeah. Second place is the person Biden beat, Trump. Those people have not left America, and I'm pretty sure they're going to vote again. Charles Blow gives us a pretty good rundown of all the reasons that black people have to feel hopeless right now in 2021, in current year. He brings up uh, Georgia's unexpected Democratic support and mentions how Georgia has had a recent uptick in black population. Like as far as like majority black states go, Georgia's one of the few ones. And uh, what do either of you have you been what do you know about Atlanta, like financially, how Atlanta's been doing as a city? I don't. (laughs) How are they doing? Atlanta has a has a, a thriving middle class. They've had uh, black mayors since like the 70s. And in general, Atlanta can be seen as like, look, it is very possible for black leadership to run a city, to run a metro area, and for it to be in a capitalist system by capitalist measures like GDP and expansion and business health and stuff like that to be very successful. Atlanta is growing. It has the busiest airport arguably in this half of, if not the entire world, depending on how you look at it. Atlanta's doing pretty good. Notice Georgia suddenly out of nowhere is going Democrat and fucking up elections. Isn't that weird? It's funny. I I, I had not noticed that what you'd mentioned until like uh, around the, mm, Late two thousands, like when it was called Hotland and stuff like that, as far as what that Democrat, that what was happening there, and uh, with Atlanta, yeah. as as you would. Well, yeah. like, let's let's directly address one of the things that is uh, in the realm of peak lib shit. Oh fuck these southern states! You mean these states <laughs> that are gerrymandered to hell and have the greatest concentration of black populations, like the people we're supposed to be allying with and fighting with and fighting for but because they're in some weird geopolitical outline because it's a quote red state oh gosh it's almost like you have an answer for this coming up pepper yeah (laughs) it's funny (laughs) to see the disconnect the disconnect between people who rail about gerrymandering and unfair election practices and then the second a southern state is red they go fuck all of them fuck the entire state of alabama and they just seem to forget about all the gerrymandering unfair election practices that was in their mouths a week before i think there's a sense of hopelessness in that that ah it's it's 70 is 60 percent red ah there's no way it could ever or whatever it is you know like it's un the idea of a blue georgia like to me being the oldest one here it's fucking wild uh, <laughs> well and to be clear so, they always use when they give those statistics they mm-hmm. they talk about percentages of the electorate and not the populations like that is an mm. intentional lie with information to make you yeah. think it is a wider gap than it is Very yeah much it's so. like look this massive percent of black people voted democrat but they were just kind of dwarfed by you know or if not even dwarfed in some of these cases they're losing by like two three percent the democrats will lose and because of you know a hundred thousand extra votes on the republican side the entire state is like abandoned or treated like it doesn't matter Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the Great Migration, because that is another huge topic in this book. The book is called The Devil You Know by Charles M. Blow. Look it up at your library. I got my copy for free. The Great Migration is a period in between like 1910 and 1950, where uh, like lynchings in the South were at an all-time high. The KKK was flying around all over the place. And uh, as a, like, a logical result, a lot of black people fled to the North and to the West, that's when we got our large black populations in California cities, in Minneapolis, in uh, Chicago. It, nor- name a northern city. There was at some point the Great Migration. Mm. Big draining of uh, total southern population of black people from the south up to the north and to the west. Then that was followed by white flight to the suburbs. That's when like Detroit suddenly became, oh no, Detroit's just falling apart because everybody who has... Uh, careers and makes a lot of money has left. Oh, I learned about both of those with the local uh, documentary for here Chicago. They they <sighs> described both of those. <laughs> it's yeah, almost you two live in Chicago. It's almost like it's a bad idea to tie school funding to income taxes. Oh my god! Yeah, right. 
So you end up with this pattern in these in these uh, like destination cities where pe- the where black people left the South to go to hopefully seeking better lives and employment in the North and West. What you end up with today are these urban centers who are majority or at least quite a few like large black population, where it's just poverty and you know bad times, and then it's surrounded by affluent white middle class suburbs. That's mm-hmm. the result of that. Black people leave the South, they go to the North. White people leave the, their city centers, not the whole area. They just go out of the middle of the city to the outskirts of the city because they can afford to move. And that's how you kind of end up with our current situation. Mm-hmm. Here's Charles's proposition. This is the plan I'm talking about. And this, that was all set up with purpose. He thinks that black people living, especially in destination cities, in the places that they left uh, left to in the 10s through 50s, to return to strategic states in the South for many, many reasons, primarily to turn a bunch of states into Georgia's, the same way that Georgia's gotten flipped. If we went through, oh, I have a list here. Let me find it before I do it. He names Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, both Carolinas, Virginia, not West Virginia, Maryland, and Delaware. If you look at the numbers in Congress that those states hold, if you look at the current black populations of those states, it would not take that many people moving from a Chicago or a Minneapolis or a, or, or a Portland uh, back to the South or to the South for the first time, if that's not where you're from, to suddenly make these states a like a black belt, the belt of, look, we can run all these states and whatever policy you want to pass, we must get our senators to go along with. You technically said this first, but you know, I agree with it. This is not saying anything about political ideology. It's not saying anything about leftism. It is only saying it's essentially only addressing white supremacy and racism. And it the goal that, is to a, have black people seize self-determination yeah. where they get to pick a couple of their own leaders. You know, that's not saying anything for queer rights once this were to happen. True. True. Yeah, I I mention that only so people don't accidentally end up tying on a lot of concepts to this idea that are not a part of its roots. We all kind of assume that if... uh, if different people, if people that aren't only rich white people got to choose some leaders, we would probably get different types of leaders, but that is not necessarily a guarantee. You could have a majority black population uh, elect a black evangelical Christian who essentially has conservative current values. Like that's, that's a possible outcome. I, mm, and, I mean, and that's why I don't, I don't wrap that into the thing when you're, got, when you're hearing us talk about We've this. got Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago. Who's a fucking cop. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you would say, why? Why does uh, Mr. Blow want people to move back to those states? Well, I kind of already gave it away. But it's to concentrate political power. They don't mm-hmm. want to be like coy about this. This should be the intent of people moving back. Not just, oh, we'll trick you to happen to move back to move to Delaware. No, this is, you need to move here with the purpose of, we're going to move here and vote. We are moving here to vote. We are moving here to elect a governor. We're moving here to elect enough senators to become a a stumbling block. Imagine if there were 30 senators elected by majority black populations. Mm-hmm. What issues would suddenly have to go in the Senate? Police <laughs> brutality. <Jesus>. Reparations. <laughs> it wouldn't necessarily pass in a way we like, but it would have to get talked about. Definitely pay attention to cop stuff more, I th- I'd say. Charles even gives examples of specific cities that they that like he thinks would be a good choice. And again, check out this book. But he talks about how he grew up in a majority black suburb in a majority black city, went to a majority black university. And so like the issues of like the cops going, oh, this one, the like the only dark skinned person in this neighborhood, they're a threat. We got to check them out. That's not even possible because he grew up in an area where, oh, nobody would assume you're a threat. You're one of many southern black boys who live around other Southern black boys, why would we freak out when we drive by you in the street? We're a majority black police force, which doesn't make the police good, but it does make them at least slightly less likely to be crazy trigger happy when pulling up to like a bunch of kids on a playground. True. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, it, oh, that looks like my son. I'm not going to blow him away for no reason. Yeah. I like I like framing it at least for me and cuz this isn't for me, but looking at it through the filter of This is specific actions people can take to address white supremacy. 
Yeah. yeah. Like Dragor said, this definitely does deal with that. Because in order for it not to, you would have to assume that somehow a majority of black people could be manipulated into voting for a white supremacist. Which we hope is probably not a thing, right? <laughs> I have enough faith in humanity to believe that. That seems like an easy one. I, th- they would be willing to look the other way if they thought there was an evil commie on the other side. I'm telling you, the Red Scare fucked people up. <laughs> Charles's plan puts the... Fa- I like this plan because it puts... It's like self-determination. It's self-determinist. It's not like, oh, we're going to like do a letter-writing campaign to try and convince the white people who hold the political power to be nice enough to us. To like, That's not a part of it. It's not, oh, please, current senators, change your minds. It's not, it's not it. it. This is like, oh, they're never going to change their minds. Shit is never going to be different. So instead, let us approach this in a way of like, okay, we're within the system. This is rules set up by the system. Let's go for it. Can I tell you about a precedent for this? Vermont. Yeah. In the 80s, there was, I'm going to mess up specifics, but I'm pretty, it was like there was a radio host who read off like a thing they wrote, like an essay went out, thing in the paper. It's the 80s. There's no internet yet. And their idea was, hey, I did the math, and based on the population of Vermont and the current voting records, blah, 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 we think we only about 100,000 people, if about 100,000 people moved to Vermont with a specific purpose of gaining political power, taking it over, influencing elections, it'd be doable. 100,000 people, you could sway these elections whichever way that group wanted. And where does the only openly socialist identifying senator come from? Vermont. Yep. It was completely successful if you look at it from certain angles. Uh, Zan, you and you and Alkali watched a documentary about. I mean, we say we comically say cult, but uh, what yeah. was the what was that thing you the watched? Sinyasins. Like, didn't the, the they basically do and... that for their local government too? Yes, this is, yes they did, and it only got like. In fact, it got weird when the locals were like, "Ah, we don't like people getting together with." people they like and it's changing the town they had they felt like this is their town and you can't change it by living here is almost how they felt and that's when things got dicey and uh uh conflicty if you will so when you do this don't make yourselves look like a cult just show up and vote together (laughs) in the same way that like a whole bunch of rando white people moving to vermont wouldn't freak people out in the 80s because it didn't yet they still managed to do their thing a whole bunch of black people moving into majority black neighborhoods in the south i don't think it would even attract that kind of attention i do think that the second a bunch of southern states look like they're gonna start flipping a whole bunch of attention will will be spent there but like what are you gonna do I mean, we're already pretty fashy, but I mean, short of going to the, like going to each individual's house and like walking them to the polls and moving their hand to the one you want them to vote for, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. Attackers with the police, they're already doing that. Try to restrict voter rights, they're already doing that. And in a black majority controlled state, those kind of shits wouldn't even pass in the first place. If you control a couple of state legislatures, he talks about how most of the, the, the big movements, like th- when things start changing in the U.S. in current year, it's because of a state. Like, how did weed get legalized? A few states said, fuck it, we're doing it anyway. And then, you know, a couple decades later, we're coming around to Joe Biden firing people for smoking weed after he specifically said that he would federally legalize it. Ah, but, but- it's because they <laughs> lied, Pepper. It's not about the weed. It's about the lie. As That's if Joe Biden has never lied in his life. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, it's about security I, I have- clearance. If you lie about that, then what else are you lying about? <laughs> if... If lying about a thing before you take the job is an offense, Joe Biden should have been murdered at this point, shouldn't he? <laughs> Didn't he lie about a lot of shit that he was going to do in taking office, such as federally decriminalizing marijuana? <laughs> I'll never forget how, when uh, if you don't know, my parents are a crazy conservative, and they were mad that Bill Clinton lied about having sex in the office. That was the big offense. Not so much the sex, the lie. <laughs> Not the fucking. On the, the stand. The fuck. Like, what the fuck? It's not the rape that messed with us. It's the lying about the rape. Like, what the fuck? So just in our Discord chat, people have pointed out the the phenomenon of people. I live in Arizona, which is a state that people are like, a lot of rich white Californians and rich white, uh, well, not so much Texans because they got, you know, but people move here for different tax rates. 
Like, how is that different or better? I would say it's worse because you're not even moving for something you believe in. You're moving there to specifically pay less of your part it to, like, you know, fund the country we all live in. So if people are moving for those reasons, this seems like a way better and especially more honorable reason to do a thing. The thing mm-hmm. is, oh. the wealthy people that are moving because of the income gap continuing to grow, they're not as big of a dent of the voting population by doing it. So like in oh, comparison yeah, to not moving the proposal, for that Yeah. And like to be clear, moving to a place to have more affordable living costs is not inherently good or bad. If anything, it's inherently good because that means the person or family doing it is going to get more out of their resources and hopefully their lives. Can we It's can, only me- we can it's only it Ben Shapiro to... moving to fucking Texas cuz he wants to pay fewer taxes for his very successful money-making operation. Yeah. <laughs> That's Dragger. fucky. They're literally what? moving so they have more democracy, though, so they have more say over what they should have say over, you know. So there's oh, that. Oh yeah. Arizona and Texas, the reason we're looking more purpley every other day here, the reason Arizona went for Biden and that partially is because Republicans get in power, they get the tax base down to basically zero, Mm -hmm. and then people move here from California who are used to voting Democrat, and now they live here, and they're still voting Democrat. So it's like, oh no, shit, (laughs) we ruined it. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Well, I do have to get going. Uh, Is there anything else you want to talk about right before I go? What do you want to leave us know. with? I... What's your favorite chocolate company? My favorite... Ch- <laughs> what company? Chocolate? <laughs> I changed that halfway through saying I was going to say, what's your favorite candy? And then I'm like, what's candy. your favorite chocolate? And I'm like, Let's chocolate company. Not Nestle. Don't they... Aren't they the water fuckers? <laughs> yes. We got... <laughs> uh, oh, water fuckers evil. and... Was it Nestle? No. Some Who did the formula thing that murdered a bunch of babies? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> what? Which lovable company? Long story. Days? Long story short, uh, one of the companies that makes uh, breastfeeding formula basically went to a bunch of impoverished countries and were like, "This is better for you. Do this. This is better for your baby. Do this." And it turns out, like right after you have a baby, if you don't produce breast milk, you'll stop. So when you run out of money. You can't buy the food for your baby, and you can't breastfeed, and then a shit ton of babies died. Man, you just described the whole reason that formula would, like invent what <laughs> became a thing in the first place. And it sounds like they tried to do that again, but in Africa, and people were so broke that it had fatal consequences. And on the Directly. end of that fun story, I gotta get going. <laughs> Thank you for hanging Bye, Zan. Finish it up. Later. Bye. This is my last, this is my like concluding of talking about this book I like. Okay. So this is a plan that is uh, completely doable with our current system without changing any rules. It doesn't require us to like get some judge in there or whatever the fuck. You, they could, you could do it. I, I say they because it isn't me. But people could do this. Uh, it is exactly the kind of plan that conservatives have been working on since the beginning of America. Throughout this book, he just cites dozens and dozens of examples of where a bunch of white people went, Hey. We're all going to move to this state to do this thing, okay? And uh, thousands and thousands of people said, yeah, got it. And they did it. So this is not unprecedented. It wouldn't even be that crazy. And from there, once change starts happening, it could go in any direction. I mean, I, I hope that the, the the leaders put in place are sympathetic to the views that I am sympathetic to. But like we said, there's no guarantee. But it would be different. In the same way that people want, like, ah, Trump might suck, but at least he'd be different. This would be a better version of that. (laughs) 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 It's less likely they're going to put a fucking, you know, asshole up there. (laughs) And maybe this could lead to a destruction of the system that puts one piece of shit in charge of an entire country of, you know, 400 million people. Yeah, one could only hope. Woo! That's it. We do have a chat here. What, Chad, do you have any comments or questions, things you want to, topics... Any other thoughts about this book or the ideas? Again, the book is The Devil You Know, A Black Power Manifesto by Charles M. Blow. Give it a read. Just Uh, look at the idea. I never asked you this. While the chat is typing, a big problem for people doing that kind of move is people are so strapped for resources that even doing that is incredibly difficult. Yeah. So, like, the population... You know, if if you're black, there's a good chance that, you know, because 
everything stems from slavery here, you do not have as much means. That is why they specifically mention the destination cities. And they make, they're like, look, not everybody, they, they just flat out say, look, we know that not everybody can just afford to move. They don't have that luxury. But if you're barely making it in Chicago, how are you going to do it in, in fucking North Carolina? You'll be almost, if you move to the right suburb, you could take your like 30,000 that you're just barely living on near Chicago and suddenly, oh, I'm like, you know, I'm all right. But that's he talks about how you get to carry that income yeah or like you can make the jump this is the fundamental thing where like i like the idea in practice but the number of people i know are just moving within a same suburb is difficult oh yeah absolutely it's definitely not as simple as like i you know just like walk step from the left line into the right line yeah it it would require quite but there the number of people required to do it, I think he puts the number somewhere. I was like, look, if we can get maybe a couple hundred thousand people to do that, even one hundred thousand, like the, the margins doable. aren't that extreme. Yeah. They're not talking about like, oh, if you are impoverished and just barely making it where you are, this needs to be your primary concern. It's just not going to be. But there are a lot of people who are, especially millennials, who are like, wow, I'm working this bullshit dead end job with my like education I am in insane amounts of debt for. Why not bring your black brilliance black black to the south? <laughs> bring it to people who can like appreciate your fucking talent. Someone in our chat, huzzah, was saying things like there there aren't the jobs. Everything is so depressed that not only can you not just move, there's nothing for you when you get there. And so short of inventing your own currency or creating a commune in these very destination spots to allow people to live, eat, have housing, trade, produce art, like, and at the at the number of a hundred thousand, you'd like to think that there are enough people that would be able to do it without needing that kind of I'm going to say the evil word bootstrapping. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's that's kind of the point is someone with resources presume you don't have that. What do well, you do? We get a little bit. We can get a little commie, a little communisty in the commune part of the word communist. It's it's very like indiv- you were also talking about how we're just not trusting where to throw money where you will actually help people. On that front, I've just been giving cash to people on the street because it's very unlikely that those people on the street are then going to hand that money to a shadow corporation. Right. It's probably going to them, at least for drugs or booze locally. Then we can support our local drug and booze dealers well, okay. as opposed drugs, to... Drugs, good. <laughs> booze, no. Booze is heavily institutionalized unless, like, well, there's a deal for, hey, we got this local brewery, spend it there. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I just mean, like, you know, a local person gets to attain some stuff to yes. make them personally feel I'm, a little better. For, I'm being a smartass. I hope that's yeah. obvious. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So, on that level, for the communist flavor of this... If you have the resources to do something like this, like it comes, it almost comes down to like, look, a whole bunch of people who listen to us are, are going to be like homosexuals who don't plan on having children. And if you go to a house that's, you know, if you get a three bedroom, you and your partner are in the one bedroom, you got two extra bedrooms that you can cut people some like at cost rent. Like, okay, I mean, I don't, like, I would just do this for free if I had the money. I would love just to let people live with us. Yeah. But the only way we can keep our lives going is, you know, two, more than two people all kind of equally sharing the cost of the thing. And I know that our rent, a rent in a room with us costs a shit ton less than any actual rental anywhere in the area. So it, moving places as teams, as kind of like team units of, hey, the three of us are all friends and we're all going to like... band together to pay for a place and pay for some groceries so we can keep existing. I think that, you know, these are all small, this is a very Soviet kind of thing to talk about because a Soviet is a small group of people banding their resources together. And I would love if people formed modern day quasi-Soviets where it's like, hi, other millennial friend who is having a shit life, but I'm having a 10% less shit life. Together, we can afford this three-bedroom house. Like, you know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm always going to preface this like, I'm not looking for back padding or praise or what have you. I'm just saying, like, as someone who is solidly middle class, I have done that, and I wish more of my fucking peers would. Like, yeah. uh, when I had that it's house the in the suburbs. It's towards communism. Yeah. A friend was living with my then partner and I at the time, and like I basically subsidized down 
the rent just so he had a place he could be at and not be destitute all the time. Uh, when another friend of mine who, like, is my peer but was in a rough spot, I'm like, eh, you don't have to pay me rent. Just if you really want to be nice about it, oh, totally. keep a keep a spreadsheet because I know you're going to eventually end up making way more money than me, and then you can pay me back. And That's he really did. difference. People will say, like, oh, you, you are an anti-capitalist, yet you r- accept rent from this person. It's like, yeah, well, the difference is if that person is like, oh, fuck, I'm broke this month. I can't pay. I'm not going to kick him on the street. No, <laughs> I would, I would never. Live here. Unless, like, the difference is <laughs> I have to kick you out so someone else comes in because I need money in here because I am out of money. Like, yeah. the only reason it was ever going ha- to go south for that person is if I was getting fucked, too. And I wasn't. Even in that, so, I'd be like, look, man. you must now accept a second person to live in that room you can't pay for. <laughs> like, you know yeah, well. <laughs> the bill must be paid somehow. But it's still a while before I'd be like, okay, dealing with a friend who rents you room is so much better than dealing with landlord. Like, the, pre- oh. the people who live with us are not under, like, contract. We don't, we, don't, we don't have leases. Like, the worst they could do is try to fuck us over. And they'd be like, oh, no, bye. I have <laughs> had that happen. <laughs> That's and it. it's <laughs> only because basically... I was in a spot, long story short, I had the condo and I was in an apartment with someone else renting because that's what needed to happen for financial reasons to make the rental thing happen. I'm like, all right, fine. So I was renting out the condo, but like basically at cost. So there was my mortgage and association fees. I'm like, all right, all this plus like a little thin sliver of I know something's going to break. So I just want it to be neutral. And so I set all this stuff up. I got everything going and... Uh, two friends moved in, and then I was, I was just socially I'm like, hey, you don't have to sign anything, but like, please give me one month heads up because, you know, there's still a lot of finance going into having a mortgage. And they did not. And that was very, not only did they not give me any heads up, when they left was one of the worst financial times I was in, uh, but I was able to get help, which a lot of people can't. But other than that, yeah, uh, if you can, please be generous. Please. Yeah, I, w- I wish there was a mass movement to attach ourselves to, but like I was saying on the internet, there just is not a leftist mass movement anywhere in America right now. Like, it kind of was the Bernie Sanders campaign. That was like a center-left thing. It's like, yeah, you know, democracy, but also let's not be complete demons to each other all the time. And that all just got funneled right back into the Democratic Party right after burning a loss. So like right now, who do you follow? If you're, if you're a leftist, not a rad lib or whatever, if you're trying to go for socialism, communism, anarchism, who do you join? Just, there's no one. So the best you can do is the people directly around you in your life. Like if you live in a town and have cash to just be handing out to people who are asking for money, just do, do that. That will be infinitely more helpful in like, all likelihood, if, if than I, giving a cent to the Democratic Party. <laughs> like, specifically, you know, well, let's talk about this. If In any of your lefty and queer spaces, or just if you're a part of any, what would be deemed any kind of minority group, for any reason, what is the most common thread you see people talk about when they're having their fun, spitballing, what-if conversations? Oh, if I had all this money and resources, I'd have all these acres, I'd set up all these houses, all my friends could be here for free. Like, the the fucking dream my friends and I all have is starting a commune so people can live. And like, yes, there's always the extravagant things each person has. Like, oh, well, if money were no object, I'm a gearhead. And like, I just, I want this car, this would be fulfilling to me, I want that. I'm a scotch head, and it's completely irrational, but God damn it, once in my life, I'll spend $10,000 on a bottle of whiskey older than me. Like, <laughs> it's fucking wish fulfillment. Fine. But the crux of what so many people say is not about the superfluous spending. It's about, like, making the world we want. You know, the dreams yeah. aren't dead yet. They're still very much alive, What's dead is the in any institution helping with it. The yeah. f- I guess a, a ton of people are coming to terms with, well, like y- y- you start feeling like in the same genre of like a doomsday prepper, but like doomsday prepper for good, where yeah. people I <laughs> wait, know wait, wait, I you might want to rephrase that. People, well, a doomsday people, prepper doomsday, for good. 
the doomsday has already happened if you think like I think. The doomsday has been happening since, Jesus Christ, 16, whatever. Like, it's been going for a long, long time. We're already in the doomsday. We are, we are currently in the Blade Runner future. It's just boring looking and doesn't have as... Actually, the fun music is here, right? Vaporwave is taking <laughs> off. The music's here. The, the music has here. always been here. Thank <laughs> the fuck for that. The music's been here. <laughs> But, like, it doesn't look like... We don't have the giant, like, 700-foot-tall Asian lady hologram dancing yet. But every other no, part but, of the... But the, we have Ronnie James Dio hologram touring. <laughs> but, like, the surveillance aspect, the, the government checking out everything you're doing, the zero privacy aspect of it, that's already here. We already live in a kind of dystopia. We are in a dystopian present, and the only way to shake out of it seems to be to just ignore the system that is and just kind of do the right thing. I mean, I'm not saying ignore the system as in, like, go do a bunch of crimes, but building, like, buying a big-ass piece of property and just having, like, eight people who you know live on it, holy shit, you've just improved seven people's lives far more than, like, the U.S. government has in the or probably ever will for those same seven people. <laughs> it's our, we must seize our own destiny and take it. Cause right now there is no big movement to do that for us or even with us. Hell, I thought BLM, like the organization, the NGO, not just people who think that black lives matter. Cause I am one of those people. I hopefully most people are those yeah. people, but the NGO known as BLM, Oh, wow, it's coming out every day how, oh, the CFO of BLM is a big piece of shit and took all the money and bought, like, a bunch of nice houses. And like, it's not, don't throw your money at these corporations. They're just other corporate with different names. Like, the same way you wouldn't throw your money at the Koch brothers, BLM is becoming, like, a, a blue-colored version of Koch brothers here. They're just throwing around money. I give them $20. They spend $50 asking me for more money in the form yeah. of mailers, yeah. phone calls, staff time, postage. Fuck that. I want to give my $20 to somebody who's going to go buy $20 in weed and smoke it on my corner. That's a much better use of your fucking $20. Is furry the answer, right? Like, mm. we have such a geographically diverse reach, and it's effortless for us to even go and meet these people because of the convention network. So how hard would it be? Or it, Like, of course it would be hard, but... Let's let's do the what if where let's do a tour of all of these conventions. Let's like openly advertise that we are trying to build a movement and build and organize small communes. What would happen? What effect would that have? Because at some point you already have some groups of furries doing versions of this, like you've said. What happens when... You have 10 different furry communes, and eight of them succeed. When you yeah. start laying the groundwork and proving it, and then going, look, it's working. I say this because, and we brought this up before, is the news acknowledged that furry and punk are the only two groups that went, we're kicking out the Nazis. We we are more of a mass left movement than than like the Democratic Party for sure. Furries, yes. furries and juggalos, I think, are a more effective movement to the left than any political party. And like as much as that may be funny or sad, when you remove the fact that our interest and all the boner words and dicks were in, and holes we're all into and inflates you big and round, whatever, remove all of that. What does furry and juggalos have? Very, very, very diverse, especially economically diverse people coming together to enjoy the thing. It's the education yeah. of exposure of other people that are not like you are out there and you get along. So, like, that's the oh, yeah, groundwork. Absolutely. That's literally the grassroots, the beginning of grassroots right there. You're doing your outreach just by hanging out. They are good. I don't want to take anything away from it, but... Furry and Juggalo, the fact that they are, like, good examples, like, comparatively to everything else, yet are, like, Furry is still very, very white. It is less it white than it was is. 10 years ago. Same thing with Juggalos. It's still very, very white. Less white than it was before. But 
Ooh, the bar is so low, everybody. Like, <laughs> right. All right. Well, so let's address this. Let's. We're hi, killing it right now. All right, I'm let's, back. Hi, how's it going? Uh, Zanny, hello. I don't want to lose this thought. Hey, let's address this. So yes, furry is very white. But if you come from my background, which is a very middle class background, they're doing uh, well considering. No, I'm saying in terms of exposure, the people that yeah, so I was friends I mean. with and hung out with were still all middle class or better. I had several yeah. friends that were like, holy shit, you make my parents look poor and they've got a 2,400 <laughs> square foot house. Fuck me. So think about it from the exposure aspect of because of furry, yeah. furry killed my belief in meritocracy, basically. Oh, yeah. Because totally. the sheer number of people that I met <laughs> that had what I I am, again, not back padding. Let's just call it thank fuck I got out of some bad ways of thinking. But I grew up in the household where uh, the McJob was looked down upon. That's the thing you <laughs> desperately try to get out of. And not because you desperately try to get out of it because it yes. is inherently shit. It's that you are viewed as shit or it's supposed to be beneath you. You're not supposed to stay there. I That thinking's gone. It's not... There are people in furry that have that thinking and it's very tragic and unfortunate. But... Just by showing up to furry, you get exposed oh, yeah. to so much more different outlooks and what people deal with, even if you're not getting, even if they're all white, you're still getting the breakdown of class. Sure. Oh, yeah. Class solidarity is, is, real, is as far as groups go yeah. that cultivate that, I do believe that, yeah. I think furry definitely cultivate. I mean, it did, it did it in me and it sounds like all three of us, yeah. like to some degree. Absolutely. Like I, it's weird because like my, my first my first growing up experience was a little bit mixed and and actually that's where I got a lot of my empathy when I had classmates who had parents that were struggling and that's actually where I got my first dose of this is fucked up like they're trying just as hard and their families I I had enough people around me who who had families that were struggling and so um that as as we went as we got more rich kids in our middle school as we grew, as we joined that big group boy oh boy did i see those divisions happening and the meritocracy was just went to all right on let's let's go with a base one that happens steroids. in high school <laughs> now that everyone has cell phones and you could call it call it cell phones designer brand clothes ah. that anyone would ever judge you for a thing you can or cannot buy, not make, not do, just simply acquire. See, that was middle school for me. Okay. We got the shit beat out of us for having uh, cheaper clothes. And like, yes, there's versions of that in furry around the fursuit topics, or are you, an, are you able to be an art whore, or... But, like, for the most part, it's not there. Anyone who dares say something like that, in general, the furry group comes together and goes, fuck off. At least in my experience, that's what yeah. I witnessed. Oh, yeah. The the Overton window it's of true. the furries is definitely on the like lefter than most. It's closer to the actual middle, and we're definitely very very anti corporate. I mean, geez, you remember when that one fursuit, uh, one or two different fursuit makers attempted to like stick like a Versace esque brand on their yep. like pre maids and charge a premium, and um, within an hour, the entire fandom's like, everyone stand in a circle and one at a time tell us how fucking dumb this is and how we all don't <laughs> like it. And that's encouraging to me. I mean, do you think we had a conversation of, of is it okay if Lil Nas X has a knockoff fursuit? I mean, it's that's not, not okay. It's not okay at all. But it is not okay. But usually, <laughs> like like people wouldn't have those conversations. I'm okay, saying. I want to. Not that I'm getting off topic, but I want to talk about what Sage just said, uh, and I also want to circle things to an end here because we're already about an hour and fifteen. Lil Nas X popular rapper of note <laughs> he was recently sent to hell and then he he ruled <laughs> hell after murdering satan are we all caught up on that part of the little nas universe <laughs> uh you're are you intentionally leaving out how fucking gay this whole thing is because oh mm. yeah he's sent to hell for being gay and then gays the devil and murders them no but <laughs> like I, for anyone who has not seen this i mean this is really gay in the best way yeah. possible. It is it is hypersexual oh, yeah. and gay and in your face and it is You're... a video that so much of the world has seen. Mm. 
Remember 300? The movie 300? What 300 was in terms of straightness, <laughs> this is in terms of gay. It's what you the stand fuck are you front. talking about? The 300 was the <laughs> gayest <laughs> thing I've seen. <laughs> I'm talking about ideology. <laughs> if you take and look at what the 300 movie tells us. The about 300 how- movie tells us you can't openly talk about being gay, but you can look gay and you can do it on the down low. Well, are you saying gay or just hot man? I mean, it was about the hot man. Doesn't mean the gay. Roman, they're gay. They fucked. They, <laughs> I don't know how else Romans? to say this. Like history is straightwashed. Not Romans. Romans. Call a Spartan a Roman. They'll be like, uh, they'll say something racist, but. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Look. So yeah, it's, gay barbarians the behead green. their enemies and then fuck. So Lil Nas X, very popular rapper at the moment, has I shouldn't even say rapper, I say musician. I kind of hate when people say rapper instead of musician, because it's everyone else you just say musician. <laughs> but, you know, favorite famous musician, Old Town Road, that person. <laughs> so Lil Nas X, they, uh, they're also, since they're very, very queer friendly, they just don't really give a shit in general. They're like, oh, you know, furries, I should get a fursuit. And this was months, years, you know, long time ago. And various fursuit makers skilled crafts people who can make very good costumes <laughs> you know uh for a very affordable amount of money when you go on like a world level the fact that a fursuit costs two thousand dollars very expensive two thousand dollars for what you get in the world in like whole world you know taking in the context of the universe weirdly cheap for the amount of effort and time put into it lil nas x says on twitter like i want a fursuit a bunch of fursuit makers i would love to make you a fursuit months and months and months later lil nas x what did he buy a fursuit knockoff bootleg for a couple hundred dollars that came from China of of a specific furry that we all know. Didn't he buy a fake Ravallo suit? Wasn't it some like known suitor's suit? I don't. I can't speak to whether or not it, it was, was a known suit. suit. Yeah, it's like a well-known suit knockoff <laughs> of a well-known suit, <laughs> which is super fucked. It's like first of all, Lil Nas X. They would have made you it for free. Second off, if you make a fursuit for free for a multimillionaire, you need to stop. Stop. They're bad. If they expect to not pay you, fuck them. Don't deliver their suit. Make it and never fucking send it to them. Be like, bitch, give me 10 grand well, or get out of my life. Well, but this, well <laughs> now let's, let's talk about that a little bit because a lot of suit makers' margins, look at it... Exposure, paying something in exposure as to? like the offer is bad. But if you as an individual in artist, exposure. if you as an individual artist in any way has an opportunity and you individually, no matter how awful it is, because no, it is awful. Don't do it. Say no. Never do it for free. If fucking Matthew McConaughey says make me a fursuit for free, no, never do it. Never make any celebrity a gift fursuit. Fuck them. They could pay tenfold. Lil Nas X could have paid you one million dollars for that fursuit and he would be fine. I'm That's saying the level I they're agree, at now. but I'm saying from the individual <laughs> perspective, there is this shit ain't ever going to change, but something might happen with this. Like, it's the desperation. I'm not going to shit on yeah. someone's desperation of... There is an opportunity here, regardless. Oh, it would of benefit money. them for sure. I think that I think I have a story oh, for this. Go for it, that, uh, Dragger. Do you remember the business model of my last company? <laughs> I do. Fuck, I forgot until right now. <laughs> I think this is relevant. Yeah, but they had so much wrong it, aside from what you're was... about to say. But please share. Yes. Okay. So I used to work for an AR company, and guess what? We were in Chicago. We know a lot of weird people. So. <laughs> Guess what? My boss met Kanye West. (laughs) And he came to us and said, Hey, Zan, can you animate Kanye West for us over the weekend? Oh, that was such a miserable weekend. And I'm like, fuck. Well, it's my job. I don't have, I can't say no. Yes, you can. Over the weekend, I'm animating Kanye. What? Uh, You're like, it's my job. I can't say no. I'm like, yes, you can. (laughs) For practical purposes. (laughs) But yeah. Right? So, but the, the but the worst part of of the, all this, we are we were throw, we are doing Kanye West a model, and sh- and doing it in an animation and showing it to him for free. So this is literally Sunpai notice us, please get like we are doing the thing. It's the company doing that. We're like, and making other people do it. It's the company doing it. Yeah. So that, so we we did this thing, 
I animated Kanye West in front of a Chicago skyline animating one of his fucking songs. And then he liked him dunking the basketball anyway, and that was a pre-canned animation. Fuck you, Kanye West. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do work for famous people. If you're a freelancer especially, do not do work for famous people for free. If they agree to pay you ahead of time, great. Go ahead. Yeah, do it. Do a contract. But like, oh my God. (laughs) And the fucked up thing is, if you do it for free and they use it, yes, you could genuinely benefit from the notoriety, but it all pays into morally this system of don't fucking work for free. It's an impossible argument because I can't tell somebody like an actual starving artist, like how many people went from absolutely nothing then they did some shit for free. And then I am a person who did some shit for free. And that's how I so like, that's why I have my career now. I just hate that. That's how it works. Yes, I agree. Well, it is because they, all the money is concentrated with those who own it. And so they get used to people coming to them. Ah, Yes. What is your service? I guess you got to dance monkey dance money for, for them and service. hope they give you a dollar. It's it's parasite. <laughs> oh my fuck. Shark it, Tank, everyone less... involved on Shark Tank like the final season if they're all guillotined good. Mark Cuban, can we blast Mark Cuban oh. into the ocean? <laughs> no, I I do think it is as much as I want to erase every billionaire's name from history for the people that are still around, like heads on spikes probably is still like a worthwhile message and then you can forget them. Yeah, Mark Cuban's one of the best billionaires, in big air quotes, best, and I still want to just slap him every day. Least worst, because he's still a piece of shit. (laughs) Best of the worst millionaires, let's do it. (laughs) Best of the worst. (laughs) All right, let's say uh, some pre-canned goodbyes. Thank you for listening. I have been Pepper Coyote. I have been Dragor. I have been Zandy the Blue. Let's all three of us do it simultaneously. Three, two, one. I'm, I'm Pepper Coyote. Coyote. I'm Zanny the Blue. Uh, mine sounded bad. Do it one more time. Two, three. I'm Pepper.